again. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles there, would you turn uh, just before we come to prayer uh, in the Second Chronicles chapter 29. There's just a few verses there, and then over in the verse 30, I just want um, just to go through them for a few moments. And, uh, you know, I've just last week I've been reading over these verses, and, uh, you know, you see so many times the parallels um, in the Scriptures. You can parallel the circumstances and the things that are unfolding, and then you see them very much, uh, very much relevant to the days in which we're living in and the times that we have come to. And you see the patterns and the principles, and we know and we thank God that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God and that we see just in the principles of these things that when, when God's people turn uh, their hearts toward him, he is a God that's full of mercy. He's a God that's abundant in mercy. He's looking uh, for people to turn to him in humility. And, and what God can do in a moment is just remarkable. Uh, when we read throughout all the accounts of scriptures, they're there for our example, for our encouragement to see that in a moment, no matter how dark, how terrible it may be, but in a moment when God moves, when God acts supernaturally, how God is able to turn a circumstance and situations around. And we're looking here in Second Chronicles chapter 29 at Hezekiah. He's a great reformer. And he brought a great reformation at a time of great apostasy, a great decay, and Israel had turned away from the Lord. Just in that opening verse there, it says, Hezekiah, chapter 29, began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name is Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And then the scripture says, as we know it, and he did that which was right, in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. There was a pattern. There was a healthy, God-given pattern that God would always bless. And Hezekiah sought to follow David, his father, in doing that which was right before the Lord. And then it says there, uh, just in verse 3, in the first year of his reign, and in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them. What a beginning. What a beginning. The first thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else shall be added unto you. And the first thing, you can see this king wanted to honor the Lord. Obviously, we know that the house had fallen into some disrepair. The doors were broken down. The function of the temple had gone, and the, 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 the whole uh, setup that God had given for them to function in. It, it was such a dark time. And the first thing that Hezekiah, when he came to that house, the house of the Lord, that temple, and he seen the doors that were damaged and broken, and, and the first thing he did was he opened the house, the, the, the doors of that great house, and he repaired those doors. And, and what, a, what a significant moment in this great reformation. That first thing was to get those doors fixed. That was the place uh, very much of ministry, of going in and going out. And that was very much the place that that ministry had to be opened, where the priests would come in, where God would be met with. That was significant in putting everything back in order. And so he repairs those doors. In verse 4, he says, He brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together 
uh, in the, into the east street. And he said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. There needed to be a cleansing of that house, the cleansing of the house of the Lord. Uh, and we know that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We know that we, our bodies, are the temples of the Holy Ghost. And we pray for a fresh, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives, that the carrying out of the, the filthiness, the things that would dishonor the Lord. He brought those priests in. They cleansed the house of the Lord. And, and then he says there in verse 6, he, he sees this is, the re, this is how, this is the cause of why we have come to where we are in this particular story, but I also believe it's a parallel of the days in which we're in. Our fathers have transpassed trans, uh, trans, uh, and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and they have turned their backs. The fathers had turned away from the habitation of the Lord, the dwelling place of the Lord. They had forsaken the, the, the dwelling place of the Lord, and they turned their backs on the living God, the God that had delivered them, the God that had clothed them, the God that had blessed them, the God that had protected them and brought them through all their troubles. They had forsaken the habitation of the Lord and they turned their backs on him. And then we see then that the consequences of this backsliddenness. They have shut up the doors of the porch, put out the lamps, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. And the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah, Jerusalem, and he had delivered them. Look what happens when we turn away from the Lord. There's trouble, astonishment, hissing, as is verse 8, as you see with your eyes. And the lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. You see the consequences, the terrible consequences of turning away from the way of the Lord, from his path, from his ways. We see the consequences of this, the trouble that comes, the astonishment, the hissing. The fathers have fallen by the sword. The daughters and the wives are led captive. This is the consequences of when individually, uh, collectively, a family, a church, or, or a nation, when it turns away from the Lord, there, there are the laws of that are always functioning, God's laws. If we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. We sow to the Spirit, we'll reap everlasting life. And so you see these parallel laws that are functioning. And then he says in verse 10, Now it is in mine heart uh, to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. And what a privilege it is for us tonight as the sons of God to be able to stand before Almighty God. What an honor it is to come into the house of God, to be washed in the blood of Jesus, to have the righteousness of Christ the grace of God that brings us into the holy of holies, that we can stand before him, not only stand, but to serve him, and that we would minister unto him in the presence of God, and we would burn that incense, that is, offer up of our prayers and our worship. 
you know, you could sense that worship that, that was in that time there, just rising before the throne of grace. What a privilege it is to worship the Lord. What an honor it is to be able to stand before this great and holy God that's above all things. And if you turn over into chapter 30, just to give you the, the background in, in 29, but in the, in the chapter 30, this is what, uh, in this great reformation, there's so much more, but in chapter 30, they hadn't observed the, the Passover. They hadn't remembered that Passover that God had, had put within Israel, that they should always remember that time when that lamb was slain for that house. That, you know, when, when men turn away from the Lord, they turn away from the cross. They turn away from the blood. They turn away from the, 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 as it were, those ancient landmarks. And now Hezekiah has a heart to bring those great truths and those, those principles, uh, those, those fundamentals as they, as they are, back into the practice of Israel. And it says in verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 1, Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim, Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. So now he's burdened that the message of this great revival and this reformation should be spread out all of Israel. Come to that house. I, I know we don't need to all travel and go over to Jerusalem. We thank God tonight. It's by faith through Christ that we enter into the Holy of Holies. Tonight in this, in this room, we can enter in by faith. But here he puts out the message for God's people to come. He's, he's, he puts that letter out to say, this is, this is a cry, this is a call for, for God's people to awaken out of slumber, backslidden this, come back even to the house of the Lord. Let us keep this Passover. Let us remember our Lord. Now for us, Christ is our Passover. We know that this is Calvary. We know that this is what Christ has done for us. To never forget what the Lord has done for us. And then he calls him to come. And the king took counsel, verse 2, and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves to Jerusalem. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. And they established a degree to make proclamations through all of Israel from Beersheba even to Dan that they should come to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem. For they had not done it of a long time in such sort as it was written. And then it says these words, verse 6. So the posts, the posts went with the letters from the king and his princes throughout all Israel, Judah, according to the commandment of the king, saying, Ye children of Israel, this was the post that went out. The posts are basically postmen, messengers. Here they are. They were sent out with the letters from the king. And so they would go from province. The way it worked is they would go so far into one province and they would be another recognized post in another province and they would pass the letters to him and then he would go forth into that territory, into that tribe and then he would begin to declare and deliver the letters of what the king had said. That's how the news spread. And so all throughout all of Israel, the post would carry the message from the king and they would say, it's time to come back up to the house of the Lord. 
It's time to remember the Lord again. It's time to come and, and, and remember Him in this Passover feast. It's time to cleanse ourselves. It's time to turn again unto the Lord God Almighty, for He is a God that's full of mercy. Let us come back to the Lord. And that's the plea that there is that goes out today. There's a cry that comes. I know it's for those that are lost. We go out into the highways and the byways and we compel them. We plead with them to come to Calvary, come to the fountain that's filled with blood, come to the place of cleansing and deliverance, come and be set free, come and know this Christ, turn away from your sin. And that's what we are. We're messengers. We're messengers of the King in these days. We must be faithful in proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, pleading with men and women and boys and girls, come back to Jesus. Come back to the throne of grace. Come back to Calvary. Come back to the place of victory because it's trouble out there. And that's the cry and the messengers would go out. And they were faithful. Messengers, God, just make us all faithful to deliver the message from the king. Make us faithful in the highways and the byways to compel men and women to come. And so the decree goes out. The post went out with the commandment of the king. In verse 7 it says, Be not like your fathers, and like your brethren which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation as you see. And you know the parallel today, friends, is when we look across this nation, when we see what's happening, it is a nation that is desolate. It is a nation that is plunging deeper and deeper in the distress and trouble because this nation has turned from God and is plunging deeper and deeper in the distress and trouble and hissing and they're fallen by the sword and they have no plan that's going to fix this nation. But if this nation did turn back to God, whether it will or it won't, I don't know, but if it bowed the knee, if it called out to God, if they called the days of prayer and fasting and let us as a nation seek God, then I believe the God of what we're reading off is so full of mercy that he would turn this nation again for it to be prosperous. He would do it in a moment because that's the God that we serve. And so he, he, they plead with them not to be like their fathers. It says in verse 8, Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord. Enter into the sanctuary where he is sanctified forever. Serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. And if they would only come back, Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world's going to do. I don't know what this government's going to do. We'll have a fair idea, but we'll continue to pray for them. I don't know what so many are going to do, but I do know one thing, that in our hearts here, we just want to keep before the throne of God and be faithful unto Him, that God would have mercy. And then it says, you'll find this word turn comes up four times. In these few verses, for if you turn again unto the Lord, look what the Lord will do. If you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children, look what it says, shall find compassion before them that lead them captive. That God would, would turn it around. That even the enemy that screws up to bring destruction, that God would give us compassion for us and our children so that they shall come again into this land 
For the Lord your God is gracious and he's merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him. If, if you return. Now, little two-letter word is very important. If you repent, if you turn, if you turn away from your own way, from your sin, from what you're doing, if you do that, then the Lord is full of mercy. He's full of compassion. And then it says, here's the faithfulness of the posts. So the posts passed from city to city, through the country of Ephraim, Manasseh, even to Zebulun. Look what happened, friends. But they laughed him to scorn, and they mocked him. Does that sound familiar? Is that, is that very similar to the days we're in? Isn't that very similar to the generation that we've come to? Share the gospel, you tell people of Christ, and you see the mockery, and the laughing, and the sniggering. But you know, here's the good news, that even in all of that, there's still a people. There's a remnant out there. There's people out there that are not saved yet, and they're in the gutter of sin tonight. They might be sitting in some old den of iniquity, some old bar somewhere. Might be lying in the house full drunk, high on the streets. But there's a remnant out there that are going to hear this message. And they're going to rise up out of the dunghill. And they're going to rise up out of the darkness and out of the death. And they're going to come back. God's house will be full. Nevertheless, it says divers, or that means uh, just a remnant within that of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun. Do you know what they did? And this is the key to it all. They just humbled themselves and they came to Jerusalem. They just bowed the knee in that moment. They just humbled their hearts. You know, it's so true. It's so simple. It's so profound. But when God finds a people in the midst of all of this trouble that's going on, that just bow the knee and say, yes, Lord. Oh, God, forgive me for going my own way doing my own thing. Lord, have mercy. And God is so full of mercy. We see here that they came. Also, coming to a close in a minute, but I want to show you what happens also in Judah. Look, I just think this is amazing in verse 12. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. That God would bring a people in and that God would give them one heart. I think that is amazing. I think that is miraculous. That God could bring a people together. You know, we're all different. We're all diverse. We're all from different backgrounds. We're all one in Christ. But you know, when the Spirit of the Lord when he moves and gives a people his heart and makes that one, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that's where the blessing of the Lord is. When the brethren dwell together in unity, we know that that's not just a physical thing, but God, when they humbled themselves and came to that house, God would give them one heart, his heart, a unity and then the blessing of the Lord was upon them. And it says there that they're assembled in Jerusalem, much people that keep the feast. 
of unleavened bread in the second month, a very great congregation. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, all the altars for incense took they away and cast them into the brook Kidron. And they killed the Passover in the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. And they stood in their place after their manner, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. And the priests sprinkled the blood which they received of the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore the Levites had the charge of killing of the Passovers. For everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. And then it says, For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim, Manasseh, Ezekiel, and Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But this is such an indication of what God brings in. You know, when people come out of the gutters, when they come out of the, the world that we were once in, that we were once a part of, and they come in as they are, with all the flaws, you know, just all the weaknesses, not knowing all the terms, not knowing anything of the, the, the things that we all are familiar with, but they come into the house of God raw and rough they may be, but as they're brought in and they become a participant in that body of Christ, and there might be many flaws in it all, there will be, but Hezekiah prayed for them saying, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah. You know what it says? And the Lord healed the people. I thank God there is a fountain filled with blood. And friends, see, when they come, I believe, I believe God is going to move. I really do. I sense it so strong. There's going to be a people brought in. But can I tell you, they're not going to come in uh, with a nice clean Bible under their arms and all look in the part, know all the songs that we sing and, and do all what we all do. They're going to come in with all the flaws. But in their heart, they're here to seek God and to know God. And you know, he's a good God. And he's a God that pardons and that healing power of God to be able to cleanse and deliver and set free the addicts, the, the frail, the lame, the maimed, the diseased, with all that they come in with, that the healing fountain will flow and God would heal them all. We have a privilege tonight because we can stand in our place and pray for each and every one of them. All the needs that there are, we have a privilege that we can minister unto him and may as we come together as one, may God give us that oneness, that heart, his heart, together to pray for the lost. So many need a touch from the Lord. So many need delivered. So many need set free. But let us pray together tonight for the lost, that God would bring them in, that God would do a mighty work. May we stay on our knees, and may we know the great mercy being flow from that throne of grace tonight. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your mercy toward us, Lord. Where would we be, Lord, if you had not have saved us and if you have not have delivered us and you had not have kept us and sanctified us and brought us into your presence? Lord, we give you thanks tonight for the great mercy of God. 
Lord, in a world, Lord, that's in a mess, we thank you that we have an answer. And Lord, we thank you that answer is Jesus. Oh God, tonight we just come humbly before your throne and ask you to give us that oneness of heart, the King's heart, Lord, for the prayer meeting, for the prayers to go up tonight, Lord, for the lost, for the broken and the maimed. Oh God, tonight we pray. Lord, we just give us help, Lord. Help us, Lord, to pray. Help us to pray as we ought, Lord, in your will and your purpose, Lord. Lord, we give you the praise that you're a God that's full of mercy. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, even for this nation tonight, Lord, we just ask again, God, would you have mercy upon her, Lord? Have mercy upon us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Anoint the next that we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.